Wholeness and welcome. This is Josh Dippold from IntegratingPresence.com. And today I have with me D. Neil Elliott. Neil, how are you today? I'm really well, thank you. Uh, how are you today, Josh? I'm doing fairly well. It's a kind of warm day here in Missouri in the middle of the United States. And uh, yeah, just did a extended meditation session today like I do on a lot of Tuesdays. Yeah, it's pretty good. Hey, um, what I've been doing recently here when I have guests on, instead of me reading an intro, I will um, toss it back to them to say in their own words, uh, who's who's D. Neil Elliott and what kind of work do you do? You know, why do you like to come on these podcasts? And then I will um, state my intent for this show too, um, after we, we do that, I guess, or actually, yeah, I think that would be better because it would give some context. So who are you? Your work as well. Okay, perfect. Uh, so who am I? You know, I'm a soul on an evolutionary journey and, uh, currently going through an awakening to come back to the reality of myself and let my soul have mastery, uh, over my life. Uh, so, now, in a kind of a materialized sense, who am I? Uh, currently 62 years old. I was born in 1960. I live in, just south of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I lived in Canada my entire life, but I've traveled the world. Uh, second marriage between us, we have three children, and uh, I have five grandchildren, and they're all in Texas. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a professional engineer with a Master's of a Business Administration. And I've worked in the hydroelectric industry for over 34 years as a, both an engineer and a project manager. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of, that's who I am. <laughs> right on. So the kind of work you do as far as on the, I guess, more spiritual side, right? That's kind of what my, um, um, podcast is tailored to. So I guess what got you into all this and a little bit on your website, I was reading and it kind of hinted at, um, some things, but didn't go much into detail. I don't know if we need to go into any detail, but what would you like to say about what got you interested in um, consciousness and souls and whatnot, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> let me preface this whole thing with um, that each of us, we create every event and every experience that comes into our life. And I'm saying that now in retrospect. So... Uh, in the 90s, I I wanted to, I was, you know, working with a lot of people, being a project manager, and I wanted to be more inclusive with how I was thinking. So I picked up, you know, books by Napoleon Hill and uh, Tony Robbins, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Carolyn Mice, looking for a way to kind of expand and understand the universe, so to speak, and also change how I thought. Uh, so I started, did that through the 90s didn't really fundamentally change how I thought, but I became more open to other people's ideas and things. From 2002 to 2015, I uh, slowly drove myself into this really deep and dark, despondent depression. And we're all great actors in our own environment. Uh, we can put forth, we, you know, we wear this facade and we can project whatever we want to family, friends, clients. Uh, so no one knew I was actually in that state. Um, and what I did was uh, I picked up some newly issued spiritual books and some science books. And uh, I started studying them to, to repeat this process I went through in the 90s, but hopefully with better results to get out of this really deep, dark depression I was in. It didn't work. 
in uh, November 2017. Uh, our house had sold after being on the market for five years. And I sat down at this little one-bedroom rental apartment, and I crafted my suicide note. My wife had jumped on a plane to visit family and friends in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, so I was alone. I uh, planned out my suicide. I crafted this note. Uh, coincidentally, uh, about a week prior to me sitting down, I <clears throat> came across some material, or it fortuitously came to me, that promised to liberate me from my thinking if I studied it and I and uh, followed it. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, being an engineer, I'll I'll push out my suicide from three months to six months, whatever, and I will give this. I was looking for any sliver of hope. So <clears throat> this was that sliver of hope, and I thought, okay, I'll give this a try and see if it works. If it doesn't, I can always pull the trigger. A year later, I woke up. My depression was totally gone. I was full of inner peace and love and joy. I felt totally prosperous and abundant. And 13 months, so end of December 2018, I went into two meditations, um, two days apart. And uh, as I went into this meditation, I... I was going through these higher vibrational frequencies of consciousness. The spiritual energy flowed in through my head, it filled my body, and then it totally enveloped me and cradled me in unconditional love. And it's a an unconditional love that we really don't have the human language to describe. Um, but I felt totally supported, non-judged, um, cradled in this unconditional love. I didn't care what uh, ills my body had. I didn't care what aches and pains it had. I didn't care what anybody had done to me in the past or what I had done to anybody. I just felt totally supported and bathed in unconditional love. And I had two of those. The two days later, I had the exact same meditation. At that point, I knew that the new knowledge I gained and the process I followed, um, which reveals these truths hidden since uh, the beginning of time, um, is our truth. And I have, I've come to now come into this, this place. So that was 2018, December 2018. So I've been following this since then. And, and it just, it's ever evolving. And, uh, I get more and more insights and, uh, more knowledge comes to me and I get inspiration about what I should doing. And, and these truths just become deeper. And my whole consciousness is, you know, expands and, and, and takes in and understands more about how and why the universe came into being, how this materialized form came into being, and what our purpose is uh, in being here. Wow. Um, of course, the the emotional resonance around this of, um, centers, of course, on the very um, heavy notion of planning to take one's life. And it really felt the kind of depth and presence and gravity of them. It's just like, yeah, a lot of, when faced with that, I can only imagine that um, pretty much everything else falls away. Right. And it's like, it's a big deal, right? It's no, nothing to take lightly. And that's so now going from that place to where you are now, um, there's uh, lots of different things to pick up on here potentially. And um, what I do want to say without much of a transition here on my part is come back to intent of this, uh, of my intent for having you on. And to be honest, looking through um, some of your stuff, I was like, well, I could see where I have maybe, maybe too many questions that could potentially be 
um, not conducive to hosting a guest uh, of your type on this show because, you know, I don't want to go in that route. I want to be supportive and, and let you share your story and your knowledge and your teaching and your wisdom. So I decided that I'm going to have you on because this is part of my process too, how I will view um, and respond and how this all unfolds by with the choices I make too, right? Um, so that said, there's still plenty of common ground and I'd like to uh, dig into this too. So the biggest one you mentioned, well, I'll just, I'll put some bullet points out there here and then we'll, we can come back and uh, touch on any of these or all of these, uh, not all at once, just so we can have like a reference point here, of course, consciousness. Um, and with that comes energy too. Um, so I think maybe that might be a way into consciousness too. And, but the heart qualities that you talked about this unconditional love, love gets a bad rap by some people because, you know, some people say, well, I love chocolate. I love this. I love that. But we're not talking about that obviously. Right. Um, so, so we, we can, uh, that's where, uh, we, I think we can dive into this too. Um, the other thing uh, where you mentioned, um, we create our reality. Now, this is a big one. Um, some people might call this karma, right? Where uh, our actions have consequences. If we engage in skillful, wise actions, well, then there's going to be a skillful, wise result. And the opposite, if we engage in unskillful, you know, ignorant actions, and not only actions, but speech and maybe even thoughts, right? Then they're going to have fruits that are similar. Um, results and they might not pan out immediately or maybe not even in this lifetime. But from my current understanding, that's the way that works. So all those things. And then of course, uh, the science and spirituality aspect. So we've got our um, kind of work laid out for us here. Uh, if, if, you, if you have a preference on any of those, please jump in. But overarching, I think consciousness is one of the more fascinating ones. And before though, um, I, I'm, uh, was really curious to know what is this teaching you got and follow if, if you're okay to share with that. Um, uh, so, <clears throat> you know, uh, so the, who, who promised my, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so my book, um, <laughs> lays this out and, okay. uh, let me tell you that the, this new teaching, um, this new information, this new knowledge that if you follow this seven step process, um, you have to come to it like a little child full of curiosity and wonder and joy. And so I, um, I'm not, well, I am deliberately being vague. I call it a blueprint document. And the reason I'm doing this is because the way my book is constructed is, uh, it's in five parts and uh, part one is an overview. Part two is really, uh, a memoir of my life. And I made it very candid and I made it very open to utilize uh, some specific examples of patterns of thinking and feeling that I adopted that drove me to that point of suicide that I reinforced over a lifetime. And then uh, part three of my book is a, a, a chapter in consciousness, and it's based in science as well. And so that chapter is to help everybody get on the same page and come to a new understanding of what consciousness is. Part four is uh, these truths that I unveil. And uh, then part five is really my process, uh, my personal 
journey as I went through the seven steps. My recommended way to read A Higher Road is read it cover to cover, understand the process in its entirety, and then uh, if it resonates with you, go back and start with some of the science material, or if you're already familiar with that material, start directly with step one. Uh, <clears throat> so what is this? It's, it's, it's information that, you know, you have to be in a certain consciousness state, uh, in this open consciousness state, like a, like a small child before it's indoctrinated with, uh, you know, all of the human aspects of, uh, of thinking and feeling and cultures and religions that, you know, each of us are exposed to. And so you need to come to this open, uh, and, uh, curious and full of wonder and joy. And so my book is constructed to open people up to get them to that point, because what I don't want to happen is, uh, you know, blurt out what that information is and, and where it can be found. And I provide it to people, but, uh, because if they go there directly, they might just totally reject it. And if they do that, they have just missed a, a huge opportunity to transform their lives. And so that's why I'm, I don't share what that is. Um, but I can tell you if you, if you read it, um, you may also, uh, you know, come to agree with me or, or believe as well that this, this teachings, this knowledge, uh, is actually our truth and, and I'll call them truths and you don't have to believe that, but that's, uh, that's my belief. And I can tell you that I'm living proof that this works. So, um, <clears throat> so it's an opportunity. I mean, there's lots of different ways, lots of different paths. Uh, this is the one that worked for me because it's grounded in science. It's logical, it's rational, it's believable. And then it bridges this gap between spirituality and science. Do you go into, in the book, how the, how those uh, steps came to you how, or, and how the, all the material in the book came to you? Or is that just kind of anecdotal? I mean, um, it's not really that doesn't make that much big a difference in the whole grand scheme of things in the book. Um, I, um, you know, I describe how, how I got, you know, how this information came from me. Like right now I look back and go, <clears throat> you know, this is really was a divine ordained process for me to get to this point, um, where I felt there was no purpose in life. Uh, you know, there, it wasn't worth living. It wasn't worth carrying on. And that's what opens us up to ask, you know, questions about, you know, what's our purpose here? Or why are we here? What's our truth? And it's these kinds of questions that open you up to explore uh, things that, you know, earlier in your life, you might not have explored, you would have just rejected. And so, you know, I'd say it's a divinely ordained process. The science books that I read that I share um, in my book uh, was really laying a foundation for me to open up and, and have a new understanding of, of consciousness. And then when I got to that place, this other material showed up in my life that actually then bridged this gap between spirituality and science. Well, cool. And, um, before I jump into asking you about, well, what is consciousness itself? Because this is a huge issue that science really doesn't even know yet, you know, and it's still so far behind in some of these spiritual teachings, I would say. Um, but this is the thing before we get into that, the purpose, because this is a big thing for a lot of people. Uh, and I mean, that's kind of a vague thing to say a lot of people, but I'm sure there's plenty, a significant number of folks out there who just don't know what their purpose is, right? And who are kind of yearning to find a meaning and a purpose. 
Um, and, you know, and then this, this question also frustrates kind of spiritual teachers too, because a lot of times they'll, uh, a lot of people will come to them and wanting to know their purpose in life, you know, and I really haven't addressed this, um, anywhere else as far as I can remember now. So I don't know how you want to approach that, or, uh, I'm, I'm curious about that too. If someone so, to, um, to go to ask you to, yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's a great question. And, um, I don't want to like consciousness is, is a really important topic. So l let's talk about, let's talk about our purpose first. And then if maybe sure. we move on to consciousness. So, <clears throat> you know, so there's a few things here. So, uh, your soul is on an evolutionary journey, uh, over many lifetimes in varying genders, varying places of origin, uh, varying skin colors, varying religions, sometimes religious, sometimes not religious at all, different languages, uh, different experiences, different situations of sometimes being wealthy, sometimes being poor. And all of these circumstances that your soul is going through each time it incarnates here is to um, shape and hone and hew your uh, individuality, your personality, you, your soul is a fragment of divine consciousness. It is perfect. It is pure. It is unconditional love. And in order for, you know, so, uh, well, I'll back up to that. But, uh, and so you come here to shape and hone and hew your personality until you get to a point in a lifetime where you understand these mechanisms of the ego and we can talk about that and, and how and why these laws of the universe work in your life and how you utilize them moment by moment to create every event and every experience that comes into your life you um you finally your soul finally wakes up and realizes what it's doing to itself and then it begins this process this journey to um make it back to where it came from so you know, it, it it wakes up, understands what it's doing to itself, and then it begins this process to transcend the ego. And it, you know, maybe a few lifetimes that that happens. But um, the goal is for your soul to gain mastery of your life uh, so that it expresses its true self to everything and everyone in your environment. Right? We are not here to please God. We are here to express God. And God is unconditional love. And your soul is a fragment of the divine consciousness. And your soul is here to express unconditional love to everything and everyone in your environment. That means you don't judge, you don't criticize, you don't condemn, you don't lie. You know, there's a list of things that are contrary to unconditional love that the ego picks up, and we all do this, you know. The ego is created to, to for us to experience this individuality. Um, and experience these other things, these other feelings, these other experiences that are contrary to unconditional love. And what happens then is that you, as you're, you shape and hone your personality, it is only through lessons of suffering will the journeying soul gain self-knowledge to retain individuality after discarding the ego. So when you finally discarded your ego in whichever lifetime that is, your body will return to dust, it's ephemeral, your soul moves on, it steps into the light, and it will not need to be reincarnated again. But you are a unique 
an individualized expression of unconditional love. You take all these experiences back to the collective whole, the unity of uh, divine consciousness, and then that becomes a richness in the divine. Because it, without this mechanism um, of the ego in this materialized form, uh, there would only be unconditional love. And so it's this contrary individuality that creates this richness of experiencing something beyond unconditional love. And everybody's purpose is the same. Now, your materialized purpose might be quite different. You may be really good at math and, you know, becoming some professor or, or some scientist or you're a great artist or something. You have a unique expression that you're going to do here while you're on Earth. But your soul's purpose is to be this expression of unconditional love to everything and everyone in your environment. I love that. In the, in the Buddhist tradition, they talk about the Brahma Viharas. So these are um, the sub, sublime uh, dwelling places, the, um, also called um, the heavenly abodes or the divine abidings. And they're, of course, they're loving. These are like flavors of love, too. So we get more specific, too. Um, loving kindness, you know, just a well-wishing. And the base level of that is just an absence of ill will. Uh, and towards all be this is towards all beings as well, all beings everywhere. And then we have um, karuna, as compassion. And for me, that just means um, mostly is acknowledging pain. Um, and then um, caring as, as much as we can to the best of our ability about that pain. And then um, having a wish for it to release and then there to be freedom. And then there's um, rejoicing, karuna. Um, I'm sorry, mudita, and it's also translated as uh, empathetic joy or vicarious joy. So this is like being happy for other people's happiness. This is one of the challenges of mine. Um, for somewhat, unless I become conscious, then I have this thing where, oh, they're happy and I'm not, Ugh, you know, kind of thing. So, but when we realize that there's like how many billion people on earth supposedly, well, that increases our chance for happiness if we can be happy for their happiness and then of course equanimity this kind of balanced grandparently um, wise love that knows that we want to help as much as we can however folks have to make their own choices we can't make their own we can't make choices for them right and so these are um, beautiful heart qualities I love uh, practicing. And they're almost like an emergent state, too, where when we just have the hindrances that um, block and obscure these natural states, then, then they, they just emerge forth within us as well. And they're boundless qualities, too. There is no limit or boundaries or anything on these. Um, so yeah, that's, it's beautiful, unconditional love. Uh, so now, um, going into consciousness, what is consciousness? You know, it's a really simple question and hardly ever, uh, has really a simple answer, but it can, I guess. And, but it doesn't need to. So yeah, I'm fascinated to get your take on this, your insights and wisdom on what is consciousness. Um, so Let's talk about what people think and what science thinks to begin with, just because sure. we need a contrast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, many people will think that, uh, you know, you are, in, in, you are um, matter imbued with consciousness. You're a human being with consciousness in it. And, uh, you know, you'll may read some near-death experiences where people talk about, you know, expanding and feeling like, you know, there's consciousness in everything, be it a rock, a plant, a tree. 
And we, we have this human concept. Um, and this comes from our egoic individuality and our belief that our body is our reality. Our body is not our reality. Solid things are not our reality. Those are, this is just a, a tool, an illusion for us to learn the lessons we need to learn. In reality, consciousness, um, what you see is consciousness made visible. Everything in the universe is consciousness. Uh, everything, you know, what you see, touch, taste, feel, know, what you perceive to be solid is really consciousness made visible. Before the Big Bang was universal consciousness in a state of silence and stillness and equilibrium. And it is opposing impulses. And these impulses were torn apart at the time of the Big Bang. And we see those impulses as, as electromagnetism. Uh, and uh, it is these impulses of electromagnetism that are the basis of everything that we see as materialized form. And this is the um, you know basis of all of the laws of cause and effect that we experience in the universe. So consciousness is everything. And consciousness is made visible through these very mechanisms. But there's, you know, we are consciousness made visible. That's the simple answer to that. Um, and and it takes a while. You When you go through this material, you'll learn what was before the Big Bang, what happened at the time of the Big Bang, the impetus for the Big Bang, and and how the materialized universe came about. But it's it's information that, cannot be immediately understood or perceived by the human mind. It takes time, energy, and effort, and it takes meditation um, to be able to fully understand and enter into it. You only understand it when you actually enter into it. I've never heard it put as an impulse before. That fascinates me, the, the impulse aspect of it. So I'm curious about that, if you wanted to touch on that. Otherwise, we can keep going. Let's see. So, no, um, I, Go ahead. Sure. Go. No, what were you going to say? Oh no! Yes, if you'd like to address the 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 impulse that was that was fascinating to me when you mentioned it was. Uh, I'm well, sorry, uh, you know, I mean, okay, so I can give you a high level of it. So these opposing impulses, uh, one is will to move out and uh, create. Um, the other is um, purpose to give form to creation to experience it. And so the will to move out and create we see as electricity and the uh, purpose to give form to creation to experiences is actually elect is magnetism, bonding and rejection. And so we know in science today that uh, everything at a subatomic level is just energy. We are energy. There's more space in us than there is um, anything that's solid. This is just a perceived body. Uh, and what gives form to to creation is this um, uh, processes of law of cause and effect through uh, through will and purpose through plan through a consciousness plan and uh, the uh, purpose to give form to it to experience it. These are the things that bind and draw um, you know uh, energy together to through fusion to create elements and etc. We can go through that whole process, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to learn. There is. And I'm reminded of like, so her, the hermetic principles with this and also kind of the hermetic idea of I'm getting this right noose and kind of the notion of divine will, things like this. Um, 
Uh, so we talked about, you, you mentioned it, uh, at the start, I think about, uh, vibration, right? Um, uh, when you talked about the unconditional love being bathed in that, this vibration, unconditional love, I'm interested in, um, this energy of vibration, right? Not necessarily, um, electromagnetism, but this, this vi vibratory energy as well. Uh, uh, and then we, um, Neil and I talked a little bit, um, in a conversation before this one, uh, and we talked about high vibrations, right? And I was interested in your uh, perspective and understanding of, uh, you know, in the spiritual communities, we hear often, um, high vibration, right? Keeping a high vibration. So it's, uh, for my research purposes, and that's also one of my intents, this conversation is my research purposes. What is a high vibration? What does that mean? Uh, honestly, I probably shouldn't be asking you that if I can't answer the question myself, because I have, I just, uh, just recently came, uh, came upon this about what does that mean to me? You know, and I've never actually spent time with that question. So I, it's not really fair for me to put you on the spot if I haven't done it myself, I guess. But if you're interested, I'd be fascinated to learn what you have to say about that. Well, I, th I think there's a couple things I can say is one is that the source of our being whatever you want to call it, God, Yahweh, the, you know, the Tao, the source of our being is so spiritually refined and such a high at a, and such a, at such a high frequency of vibration that it cannot enter into you and make itself known to you until you go through this process of raising your human consciousness vibration. And you do that through building new brain cells and pressing it with new knowledge and, and following these practices in this, in these seven steps. And so, um, you know, I can't tell you that, oh, a high frequency of vibration is, you know, 56,000 Hertz. I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is that when you actually make a connection back with the divine and you feel this inflow of energy, um, you will have, uh, you know, gone through this process where you are creating new brain cells impressed with new knowledge that operate at a much higher frequency of vibration. And um, go ahead. Oh, well, um, so this reminds me of um, a kind of uh, some of the divinity teachings that I, I haven't studied too many of them. But um, one of the things is everything is an expression of divinity, right? This, this paradigm, this um, view that if everything comes from divinity, then how could anything not be an expression of divinity? Um, of course, we have some kind of um, with the, uh, the, the the main question people would have with that is, well, you know, what about all the horrendous things in the world? Is is that also expression of divinity? But you're welcome to pick that up. Uh, but but what I'm getting at here is um, this connection with the divine. We talked about this too. So it, it, to flip that around, what disconnects folks from the divine? Um, and then, you know, how do we, I guess, see that? And then uh, what are some just things in general, if you'd like to share, help, help us connect into that? So, um, so if you can remember some of those questions, and I'm going to go through a process where you'll have to remind me of that. But let's sure. just, let's talk about, um, let's talk about the ego. Let's talk about the soul and the ego. So at the time of creation, the soul is, the soul, remember now, the soul is perfect. The soul is unconditional love. The soul is a fragment of divine consciousness. At the time of conception, uh, the soul is infused in the process of conception 
and the ego, the little I mind of ego is created at the same time. The I mind of ego works in this materialized uh, form through the mechanisms of electromagnetism and it builds the body according to the genetic plan in the sperm and the ovum. As the baby grows up, uh, the, uh, you know, you, you come in with a consciousness plan, you come in with a, a life plan, if you will. Your soul wants to learn certain things. You're born into a family, uh, which will advance that soul's evolution and the things that it wants to learn. You, as a baby, you are a sponge. You just pick up everything that's in your environment, your parents' culture, the religion, the language they speak, the emotions they emit, etc., and all everybody that you come in contact with. At age five, the brain develops to the point where it can consciously make its own decisions. Now, you have to understand, we live in this duality. You, you, your reality is your soul, and your ego is this manifested form, this duality of manifested form we have already adopted the fact that we think this body is our reality and everything in our environment that we see as solid is our reality your soul is hidden and as your ego develops and you take on these patterns of thinking and feeling you bind down your soul and shut it off from its connection with the divine the soul is always prompting the ego to try and get back to this state of unconditional love. But the only mechanisms the ego has to create happiness or, or security and protection is through these mechanisms of bonding and rejection. So, you know, you gravitate and you draw things into your life that make you happy. I like that kind of food. I like that kind of car. I like that kind of house. I, I want to go to that event. You push away things you don't like. I don't like that kind of food. I don't want to go to that event. I don't want to go to that country. I don't want to mix with those people. Those are the only mechanisms of, uh, of, for the ego to draw these things to you that you like. I like that person. I don't like that person. Your ego is, is, has this perception of individuality, believes this body is our truth, believes outside of it are all these things that it's trying to somehow interact with her control and it judges and it denigrates and it lies and it cheats and it expresses love to you know people it likes and it and it draws to it things that it wants to survive it pushes away things that will you know harm it or protect it and tries to create this this uh sense of security uh through a house or through other mechanism and you know you know as i do you you know, you um, want to get a new car. Excuse me. There's a car that you like. You set a goal. You uh, you earn some money. You go buy that car. It brings happiness to you immediately because this is something that you wanted. So it brings happiness to you. And um, over time, that begins to wane. That happiness begins to wane because it becomes kind of uh, dull and boring. And so you show it off to your friends. You get a little heightened sense of boost of happiness and you know kind of like one-upmanship on them so you get another little boost but eventually over time it becomes dull and it becomes boring and so you have to set another goal to run out and chase to get something else to create this happiness in your life more money more cars more food more you know whatever it is more 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 friends and all these are are mechanisms of uh this bonding rejection that creates and reinforces these 
this individuality and tries to bring happiness to you. But life is, and so these are the things that create these events and experiences that come into your life. You think with electric, electrical impulses in the brain, you feel with magnetic impulses in the nervous system, the magnetic impulses center and bond your electrical thinking into this uh, consciousness blueprint that you magnetize over time through repeated thinking and feeling, being a loving thought or, or a hateful, vengeful thought, and it will draw a like experience or event into your life. It might be years in the future, it could be the next lifetime, but you will draw these events. It, it is a law of cause and effect, and you will continue to do that until you get to a point to wake up Realize what you're doing to yourself. And when I say you, I mean your soul realizes what it's doing to itself and then begins to go through this process to shed all of these things that are contrary to unconditional love and bring itself back to expressing uh, itself, which is congruency with unconditional love. And you get to this point where you want to bring love to every event and every experience in your life, be it another person, be it a situation that comes to you. And even though it might seem harmful to your ego, you recognize it as a, as a lesson that your soul wants to learn and you bless it with love and you, um, uh, you know, your goal is to accept it with love, to bless it with love and to release it so that you don't block it and uh, create these other problems in your body. Very cool. And you just gave a beautiful Dharma talk, I would say. Uh, with the, um, and I love these terms too, that you use. I haven't really heard it put like this, the, um, bond, um, that you're bonded to bonding and, uh, rejection. So this notion of bondage, this is what we're all trying to free ourselves from bondage. You put it very well and, uh, went into vivid detail about the kind of the more, the greedy type personality, right? Uh, who wants, 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 then we have the aversive type or the rejecting type, who um, identifies more with that. If I could only get away, uh, away from this and do away with this, and then it'd be much happier, right? If I could only get rid of this, uh, of course. And then the, the, the other one is more based on confusion and ignorance too, right? Um, and so this is, yeah, this is really what it's all about. These, these poisons of bond, um, this bonding, this bondage and this rejection and this ignorance too. Um, and uh, you so put it so beautifully of how to um, j just seeing it r right. A lot of times, uh, a lot of it will kind of melt away when we're just conscious and aware of of those habit patterns as well. Of course, it goes into having um, spiritual practice. It's a lot easier to notice these as well because it, a lot of this deeper understanding can't really come through our normal ways. I mean, it can, I guess. There are normal ways of just hearing someone or seeing something or even just thinking uh, about it too, right? Sometimes, I mean, we have to have those things as well, but these uh, deeper spiritual practices um, that we've both talked about, uh, really, uh, we can see this things for ourselves on deeper, deeper levels. And so, but the, what really gets me, uh, the, I guess the deeper question here is, well, why do we have this ego to begin with? You know, it, so you would, you, I guess you would maybe possibly say that we entered into an agreement, uh, to have these experiences, uh, as uh, well, uh, I guess I don't, I'm not sure, um, as far growth and expansion and lessons, right. That we, um, it's almost like a challenge if it's 
really put that way, but uh, it just fascinates me how far off I know I, I have been too of how much the ego dominated experience. And then, you know, also the ego, it's a fragile type thing too. Um, from what I understand and what's helped me is not necessarily completely shedding it um, and dropping it completely. It's more integrating the ego. Um, but I, we mean more here, the negative type ego, the, the ego I'm talking about that is worth integrating is the one that will get us out of bed in the morning, can help us put on our clothes, get from point A to point B, remember our name and social security number, that type of thing, but not letting it run the whole show. Right. Uh, so I guess the question here is, you know, why do we even have an ego, uh, beyond, what I just talked about, the, um, the small, minuscule um, purposes of a um, just function, being able to function in this three reality. How does it get so out of control? To be, it it gets know. out of control because we let it get out of control. We don't understand uh, these mechanisms. So if when you go through this process and you can fully understand this duality, not intellectually, but fully know it in your heart, this duality, that are um, the ego is not to be condemned. The ego is a necessary tool of creation to create uh, individuality out of the unity of the divine. So the ego is required to do this in order to for us to have these experiences to bring back to the uh, divine to make it richer and uh, have things that are contrary in its experience and its, its depth and breadth of knowledge and feeling to know what it's like to not be unconditional. And, I, uh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I know, I know you were going to interject. What were you going to say? I'm oh, Canadian. Yeah, so I, I, I'm Canadian. Yeah. So please go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> I, I guess I haven't had enough, uh, uh interaction with, uh, Canucks, uh, Canadians. So I didn't, uh, I'm learning. Uh, I heard it put this way that, um, it's yes, everything is, uh, like one or, you know, uh, unity consciousness, but it's, it's different expressions of that oneness. Right. Uh, and I, cause it's trying that paradox of, you know, diversity and unity. So yes, we're, it's trying to get at the same type of thing of how that kind of the more masculine aspects of, uh, diversity or feminine aspects of, uh, uni unity. Um, but yeah. So if you well, want, and that's the, uh, and yes. that's the, that's what I was saying about, you know, you're coming to shape and hone your individuality. Yes. And, um, you know, there are, are primary aspects of uh, the male and primary aspects of the female, and each of those get developed in those genders uh, when everything's in alignment with uh, the divine. And we have gone wayward in the last 120 years, and we have let our egos run amok and take control, and we have lost our way. And in order to bring the world back to a state of the way that it was intended to be, which is expression of individuality, of unconditional love to everyone and everything in your environment, um, you know, all of the things that are already put into motion through your individual thinking and collective thinking must come into manifested form. It is a law of cause and effect, cannot be escaped. And so things are going to get a lot worse before they get a lot better because collectively we have created a consciousness paradigm around the world through our collective thinking, which will bring all kinds of things into manifested form uh, that we don't want to, that we never, we don't even know we're doing it. It's, it's through our 
ignorance and uh, unknowing of uh, of how the universe actually works uh, that ha- that is enabling uh, experiences that we believe are negative to come to us. But all of this is to teach us lessons. All of this, all of this is unconditional love. It's just that people don't view it as unconditional love because they see it as a negative experience, something that's coming to them to harm them. When something comes to you that you consider to be negative, you know, you'll get to the point where you look at it and go, oh, what am I to learn from this experience? How can I, how can I transmute this to love? And how can I experience this and feel it and uh, release it back to the divine without it creating this negative consciousness pattern in my own uh, personal experience? So beautiful and well put, and uh, just looking back at my own life, it's, it's just it's just mind blowing. How kind of this trance I was in, this kind of complete brainwash state, where you know I would that would have really never occurred to me, and, and unless I would have been kind of in. Well, I shouldn't say never, but I mean the likelihood didn't seem great until I actually had a, gone through a really rough patch myself, right, and then. Could you imagine if that message uh, about transmuting negativity or just changing the viewpoint of uh, a more of a default mode of looking at it as what can I learn from this instead of, oh, how is this going to hurt me? Right. I mean, just think if that was broadcast on popular television and my point here being how powerful media is, too. And at the same time, I want to say that. Um, you know, why this might seem like a more, um, a more wholesome, more skillful, wise way to view our reality and world. I also want to uh, be open to the fact that, you know, that there could be a lot better perspectives than I'm putting forth here. And I welcome folks to, to bring even higher perspectives, more expanded perspectives, more wise and wholesome, skillful perspectives too, because I'm not, you know, uh, again, it's just kind of more of a spiritual ego at this point would be for me to say, or even to say that this, that uh, this is better and this is the the way. But as far as to my uh, current knowledge and understanding, preface it. Um, So, Neil, I think this might be um, a decent time to start wrapping up a little bit. I want to let the folks um, that are listening and are watching to um, to know, you know, how to get in touch with you, how to buy your book, A Higher Road. Um, Also, uh, if any events you have coming up, any social media you'd like to plug, and this will be included in the show notes too. Um, And just in general though, you know, what message would you like to leave with the audience too? Um, Could be anything from anywhere. I'm thinking also maybe like what are some of the more pressing, um, not issues so much is like, what is the timely thing right now in June, early June, 2022, if it makes any difference, this uh, notion of time we have that uh, ought to be addressed right now, address it. Well, I think, you know, everybody is uh, exactly where they need to be in their evolution. Uh, But for those that um, are curious, those that are open, those that are willing to explore, um, I suggest you you know, find something that's going to work for you. I'm going to recommend you read my book, A Higher Road, Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spiritually. It's by D. Neil Elliott. Uh, and the reason I say that is because 
this is going to, you know, this book is based in, uh, one, it's my experience. Two is I'm sharing new knowledge, but I'm also taking people through a process of, of uh, explaining to them these concepts that we all understand in science today that will help them bridge this gap between spirituality and science when they get to that information. And the reason I found this process so um, workable for me, if you will, I can't think of another word at the moment, but is because it's things that I knew that I could believe. So it built this foundation of belief for me that what I was learning, it wasn't woo woo. It wasn't out there. It wasn't something I had to do. And it actually taught me these fundamentals in ways that were logical and rational and believable. And when you get that kind of information and new knowledge, you can totally transform your life no matter where you are, whether you're living on the street or living in a mansion, whether you're ill or healthy or happy or depressed. And what it takes is for you to be willing and be open to learn. And if you can do that, um, you have the opportunity to transform your life, to go through this process, to totally uh, become this embodiment of unconditional love, to be a beacon of light to others, to help us bring this whole world into a new era of love and peace. And it takes everybody individually to do this process. Life is a journey within. It is not a journey without. Don't let your externalities drive your reactions and experiences in life. You know, we we have never really left where we come from. This is the paradox of life. We are, we're, our goal is to get back to where we came from while we are here on earth. But in reality, we have never really left it. And so, uh, but you need a process to do that. You need a process to get to the subconscious mind, to break up these patterns of thinking and feeling uh, and uh, begin this process to transform your consciousness, to cleanse your consciousness, to rebuild it, and then become this embodiment of unconditional love. So um, <clears throat> on the book, a Higher Road by D. Neil Elliott is available wherever books are sold. Uh, my website is dneilelliott.com. An easy way to get there is ahigherroad.com. And all my social media links are on there. And it's available in print, in hardcover or paperback, or in all your favorite ebook forms, Kindle, Apple, Nook, Kobo. And available, available around the globe. Thanks so much for joining, Neil. And... May you all listening welcome in the most ideal, optimal consciousness and energy for the rest of your days and nights.